morning, afternoon, evening, Bengals fans. How are we all doing? Probably be doing pretty well. Those cardiac cats were able to pull one off against the Seattle Seahawks. 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 So it's nice going into the bye at three and three. In today's episode, I will be going over the Seahawks and Bengals game. Let's be honest, though, it wasn't the most exciting. It started out like it was going to be great. But the offense is kind of stalled after halftime. And it uh, it was close. It looked like it was going to be a back-and-forth affair for the whole game. But uh, it bottomed out pretty quickly. Uh, but before I get into it, my name is Josh Reeser. Thanks for listening, everyone. I am part of the Sports Ethos Network. You can find this page on X or Twitter, whatever you still call it, at Ethos Bengals. You can find myself at R-I-E-S-S-E-R-1-4, that is Reeser14. And if you like fantasy sports, the Dynasty Dizzle. I just like to kind of have some fun with that. I'm super into fantasy, especially Dynasty. So, uh, yeah, anyways... Thank you for uh, for tuning in. You know, the Bengals are a very hot topic these days in the world of sports. Maybe not, but in my world they are. And I appreciate you wanting to uh, to learn and listen. All right, let's start off looking at those uh, key things I'd like to kind of take a closer look at. Uh, third downs, it was pretty equal. They were both not very good, the Seahawks and the Bengals. Seattle went 5 of 12. Cincinnati went three for eleven, which they, after their first two drives, they just couldn't. The guy, their offense just went to. It was really bad. It was hard to watch, but luckily the defense kept it entertaining. Uh, you know, the one other thing I I like to look at is a combination of time of possession and how many plays each team ran. The Seahawks ran seventeen more plays and had the ball for. Let's see, it was a thirty-four to twenty-six split. So they held the ball a lot longer. Uh, and the fact that the defense was able to hold them to only 13 points, very impressive. Uh, and not even just the defense, like their red zone defense was incredible. I had talked to Candace from Ethos Seahawks before the game, and I had kind of hinted at the goal line or red zone defense being really good this year, and it's a little pat on myself to the pat myself on the back right there, excuse me, I'm so excited about myself, I can't even talk. But like, it was timely turnovers, and stopping them inside the 10, it was crazy. I'd, I'd never seen Cincinnati play like that before. The last thing I usually like to look at is penalties, which is kind of ugly. Seven penalties for 64 yards for Seattle, and five for 43 for the Bengals. Uh, still nothing that immediately jumps ahead like it did for against that the Ravens game when the refs just clearly had... <laughs> Almost, almost had it out for the Bengals, it felt like. Uh, but I'm not going to get into that because it's, it's whatever. It's in the past. And, uh, unfortunately to say, Baltimore looks really good. It's actually kind of crazy that Cincinnati was able to hang with them in 27-24 was that the final of that score. And that was with a hobbled Joe Burrow. He was, he was a little better than he was week one, but... I don't want to play Baltimore again, I'll say that. But uh, let's let's start in with the game breakdown, and then I'll kind of do uh, let's see, take a look at where the Bengals are before the bye week, and then kind of do a little pre 
pre-analysts for the Niners game coming up, which is a big game. Which I'm glad Cincinnati had a uh, a bye week to prepare for that. So, uh, Bengals actually won the won the toss and decided to defer, which is kind of crazy because the Bengals always won the ball first. But I guess they wanted to see uh, what Seattle was all about. And, uh, you know, Seattle came out cooking, let's be honest. They had an 11-play drive that ate up, like, six and a half, almost seven minutes. Only had one third down, which they converted. It was a third and four. I think they got 12 by uh, my boy JSN. And uh, Gino was perfect on the drive. He was five for five for 50 yards. Kenneth Walker was a beast, which I was afraid of the physical style of running from Seattle. And he capped off the drive with a rushing touchdown, which good for him. It was awesome, though, because when Cincinnati got the ball back, it, this like this game was looking to be freaking sweet. Burrow was dealing. He hit six different receivers on the drive. Uh, around midfield, he was able to get one of his uh, nice false start calls. He, he's really good when he's trying to get people to jump. He's so emphatic with that, with that hike. Uh, I love it. And then he ended up getting Tyler Boyd his first touchdown at the end of that drive, which was nice to see because the passing game had been so reliant on Jamar Chase these first few weeks. And it, it, TB has been kind of quiet, especially with T. Higgins hurt. So good to see him get in the end zone. Uh, defense stepped up on the next drive. They were able to get a three and out. And the offense just, like, was clicking Two big plays to Jamar Chase downfield. Uh, it was nice. It got him. They were they were reeling. And that, at that point, the momentum was huge. You know, this is a home field advantage game. Seattle's coming in from the West Coast. Like, their, their body clocks are probably not functioning. Although they do pretty well in the, in the early time frame. But they just could not withstand the heat that Cincinnati was bringing at first. And then... Happy birthday to my boy Andre Yoshivas, who's quietly becoming one of my favorite just players in the NFL in general because he's so cool and I love that I called that they were going to draft him or wanted that to happen at least. He it was on a busted play and Burrow extended it for an extra few maybe five six seconds, just kind of doing what he does, dinking around back there. And uh, Yoshi came across the middle and. It was right on the sideline. They they looked at it again, but it was it was obviously a touchdown. So, it good. And then Burrow, he got to the sideline, and then he raced back to get that ball. He had to make sure that Andre got his birthday, especially for his birthday. So, I actually think it was Cam Taylor Britt's birthday as well, and I think he had an interception. So, Cincinnati's up fourteen to seven at this point, and it's I mean at this point, at this point. <laughs> it's looking good. Like I'm thinking Cincinnati's going to score on almost every possession. So after it's 14-7, uh, the two teams exchange a couple punts. Uh, not really much going on. Seattle has an eight-play drive that covers 30 yards, almost five and a half minutes, but they kind of get stonewalled. Uh, they have uh, it's pretty funny inter or uh, unnecessary roughness call on DK. I can't remember. I think it was Cam Taylor Brett. He just, it was after the play, and DK just picks him up and basically just slams him to the ground. It was, it was actually kind of comical, despite one of the players I root for getting destroyed. 
Uh, then Cincinnati punts it back. Seattle then goes on, on a nine-play, 42-yard drive, and it's it's two minute 45 seconds, so they're covering a lot of ground pretty quickly, or a lot of plays, I should say, in a short period of time, so they're moving quick. Uh, that gets broken up, though, after Cincinnati holds them to a field goal. So at this point, it's 14-10. Uh, since he gets the ball back, they go three and out, four yards. What they do at this point, they're just trying to, they've like totally abandoned the run. They're just trying to do those dinky little quick passes. And then Seattle gets the ball back with like 12 seconds, but nothing happens there. Geno Smith gets sacked by Cam Sample, who's actually looking pretty well. And I'm hearing good things about Miles Murphy. So this defensive line could really be stepping up in the next couple of weeks, and they've already been causing havoc. Second half starts with promising looks. Cincinnati gets the ball, and first play, T. Higgins draws a pass interference call on uh, Seattle cornerback Trey Brown. Uh, you know, next so there's a free 10 yards. Next play, Mixon goes up the middle for five, and then it's like, okay, here we go again. Offense must have figured something out at halftime. And then next play, Joe Burrow goes deep for Jamar, and it gets intercepted. So just as we think that the offense is, offense is going to get humming again. Uh, you know, nope. So Seattle gets the ball that's on their own 31, and they're driving. Uh, DK is just meeting them, or eating them, I should say he's not meeting them. And then a BJ Hill face mask puts Seattle in Cincinnati territory quickly. Uh, luckily, false start on Seattle kind of stalls the drive out a little bit for them. Uh, but then a big chunk play by Joe, Jake Bobo. The uh, He was a receiver. I think he's from Michigan. No, I could be wrong. He's not from Michigan. can't remember where Bobo played, but he ran like a 4-9 at the Combine, so he didn't even go drafted. But now he's getting good play time for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, luckily, though, C or Cincinnati gets bailed out because my man Mike Hilton intercepts him. And let's just say it was very good timing. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Cincinnati is put in a pretty bad field position. That was just a, another example, or an example, of the red zone defense just being huge. Because Mike Hilton, that, like, interceptions inside the 20 is just gut-wrenching for, for an offense. Unfortunately, Cincinnati wasn't able to do anything. They punt ball, the ball back. Uh, Seattle, one of Seattle's running backs, DJ Dallas, has a good return. And then unfortunately, uh, Cincinnati gets a personal foul call. So now the Seahawks have the ball within the 10. But here's, here's when I can use another another example of the red zone defense. They just they hold them to the field goal after getting inside the 10. Like, Seattle got down there, and, you know, they're one of the more physical, run-heavy teams in the league. I don't know why they just didn't try to jam it down the Bengals' throat. So at this point, Cincinnati's up 14-13, and they aren't able to do anything with it. They have to punt the ball back. Luckily, the defense saves the day again with Cam Taylor-Brett getting his interception off Geno Smith. And like I said earlier, it was his birthday. So happy birthday to him. Like, it was so nice, Yoshi and him, to have those big days uh, to... Uh, Celebrate. I don't know where I was going with there. Sorry, guys. But then, you know, Burrow couldn't do anything going there. So 
Cincinnati had great field position after the interception. Sorry, I should have said that first. Burrow can't get anything going on his next throws. Goes three straight draw or hit the floor, I should say. But Money Mac drills the field goal. Since his lead is back to four, so it's 17-13 at this point. After that, there's no more scoring. So I don't really want to just keep saying punt, 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 turnover on downs. However, there was, like, the Seahawks did get inside the red zone, or inside the 20, I think, two more times. And they just could not capitalize. Um, B.J. Hill had the game-winning, or game-ending sack, I should say, on fourth and goal. If Seattle scores that, they win. The fact that the defense is able to hold them again, just, it was massive. I had never seen them play that well. Like, I had talked before the game that they were going to do well, but I didn't think they were going to, like, basically win the game because of that. I mean, if they can play, if the defense can play like that for the rest of the season, I, it gives me a lot more faith with them being 3-3 three and three in the bye week going to play a San Francisco team that is kind of stalling out right now. But anyways, but back to the game. In the end, it's kind of a nasty, ugly game. Between the two teams, seven sacks taken. Joe took three. Gino took four. Joe, 24-35 for a buck 85. Two touchdowns in reception. There's nothing really to write about there. Two touchdowns is nice. Uh, they weren't very long touchdowns, which is fine, but I guess... You know, a win is a win. Mixon, very inefficient. 12 for 38. Chase Brown, only other running back to get a carry. And unfortunately, it's not looking like he's going to be able to play against San Francisco. Uh, Jamar Chase, six targets, or six receptions for 80 yards. 13 targets. Offense clearly running for him. I don't see why it shouldn't. And then, yeah, just the defense coming up big. Like, Sample had a sack. Hendrickson continues to do well. He had another sack. He's got, I think he's at seven now. B.J. Hill had a half of one that ended the game. Sam Hubbard had a sack. Logan Wilson, half a sack. Like, the Cowboys even getting dirty in there. So, it, despite the low score and kind of getting the hopes down and coming out of halftime and seeing the offense struggle again, it, a win is a win, like I said. Now, going into the bye, however, let's take a look at what's going on in the AFC North. Well, not looking too great for the Bengals. Uh, the AFC North is arguably the best division in football because not one of the teams has a losing record. Cincinnati's in last place with a 3-3 three and three lap record. They could go be in the AFC South and at least beat second. Could be anywhere, almost be second. So you got the Ravens sitting up top at five and two. The Browns and the Steelers sitting at four and two. I can't believe that. The fact that Steelers are four and two. And the Browns, the past couple weeks, like I don't get it. They beat San Francisco with PJ Walker as their starting quarterback. And then last week they actually the Browns got freaking bailed out by the refs because they should not have beaten the Colts. That was an ugly win. Late game heroics by the referees again. Screw the Bengals. Somehow it always comes around and screws the Bengals, huh, guys? Just like my life. I Ugh, maybe it's my fault. Uh, you know, and the Ravens just completely smacked the Lions. Like, that was supposed to be one of the best games of the week. 
and I think at halftime it was like 28 to nothing or something like that. Like, the Ravens look scary. Lamar Jackson is playing at an MVP level right now. And I do not foresee the Bengals taking over the first seed in the division, unfortunately, or the top spot, I should say, just because Baltimore just looks really good. Not to mention Cincinnati has the second hardest schedule remaining. Like, what gives, guys? Now that they're finally healthy, though, like, they have, they got to, they got to, this offense has to get together. I didn't even, I forgot to mention that the Steelers somehow went into L.A. and won. That game was so, I fell asleep during that game. I don't know how anyone can watch the Steelers game and stay awake. Like, that offense is so boring. Najee Harris has been probably one of the bigger busts in the past couple of years now. He's getting usurped by Jalen Warren. So, I mean, Cincinnati has a couple very, very telling games with San Francisco coming up, and then they have Buffalo on Sunday night, which I cannot wait for. That's going to be so fun. And it's a home game. I should have got tickets for that. But let's kind of look ahead to this to this Niners team. I want to. I kind of want to take a look at their team team stats, which looking at it kind of scares me. They're scoring 29 points a game, and they're holding opponents to 16. That's pretty good. Let's see, third down efficiency. They're just under 50 percent. Fourth down, they're three for four. So doesn't seem like Shanahan likes to go for a lot of fourth downs. Only eleven. Let's see, eleven passing touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, I guess just even from the eye test, like San Fran probably is one of the top three teams in the league. Past couple weeks, it seems like that something's been going on. I don't know because they they lose to Cleveland. And then last week they lost to the Vikings, and they didn't even have Justin Jefferson. You know, mysteriously, Brock Purdy arrived on the concussion protocol list on the plane. That's when he started getting symptoms, apparently. I don't know how that works out. But if he was playing concussed, and I guess that is an excuse. McCaffrey has an oblique injury, but he was still able to take like an 80-yard Maybe it was like only like 60, but still. Catch and run for a touchdown. Like his, I guess his, his oblique and ribs couldn't have been hindering him too much. Debo Samuel's out with a rib injury, I believe. Is he really that much of a cog in that offense? I mean, he, don't get me wrong, Debo's great. But is he the reason why they lost two games in a row? Probably not. I think Trent Williams is hurt. But I think he's also supposed to play. So, I don't know. I don't... I feel confident going into this game. But, at the same time, this offense that the Bengals have right now is just very inconsistent. Are we going to get the Joe Burrow where he comes out firing for the first two drives and then, I don't know, the defense just figures out how to stop him? Is the offensive line going to be able to protect them? That's always that's always going to be a narrative now, and I hate it. I believe Orlando is going to be able to play, but 
you know, when teams overload the offensive line and Zach doesn't leave anyone back to block because he wants all these pretty receivers out on the field, that's when Joe gets eaten up. So, and it's not like Irv Smith is getting giving any help from the tight end spot in regards to blocking or catching the ball. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm not as confident as I as I thought I was because this offense scares the or the offense that the Bengals have been running out scares me. Are they going to rely on scripted plays or is Zach going to make adjustments? And for the defense, how how are they going to be able to contain McCaffrey? I know Lou likes to play his bend don't break defensive style and then late and typically it works out for the best. But. I'm going to say that the 49ers are probably a lot better in the red zone than the Seahawks with all the weapons they have, and they actually know how to utilize them. Like, Kenneth Walker should probably get at least one or two carries inside the 10 every time. You know McCaffrey's going to be prioritized there. Plus, I haven't even mentioned George Kittle. So, yeah, I, I can see this game going either way. I can see... Cincinnati going into San Francisco and looking like the juggernaut they're supposed to be, the Super Bowl contender they were supposed to be before Joe's calf injury, and I don't think it's entirely on the calf. I think it's on lack of preparation and bad coaching by Zach Taylor. So this is a very telling game. that If they lose, then this season, I don't know if it's done, but with the way the other teams in the AFC North are playing, it kind of is a must-win game. They've already dropped two games to AFC North opponents. So, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm, sc I'm scared. I'm scared, okay? I'm scared I can't beat them. So on that note, I'm going to leave on a Rocky uh, reference. And once again, thank you for listening. Uh, again, my name is Josh Reeser, part of the Sports Ethos Network, Ethos Bengals, and R-I-E-S-S-E-R-1-4 is where you can find me on the Twitter sphere, where the X marks a spot like a pirate map. So on that note, have a good day, and who dare?